Hello and welcome again to another episode of The Mate Guys. Uh, we're sort of recording in person today, uh, right Clark? I'm here. Clark's right here. Right next to Steven. Clark's right next to me. Yep. Um, we have no follow-up to deal with uh, today, luckily, for, for, for good reasons. But today we actually uh, have a special guest. Um, someone that if you don't know who he is, you should know who he is. He is a lawyer and author... And just all around an incredible source of information about all things mate. And we're going to talk to him today. Um, this is David Ball. How are you doing, David? Hello. I'm doing fine, Stephen and Clark. Greetings from New York. Well, David, uh, we we think that people deserve to know, you know, a little bit about you. Um, you know, you can tell briefly just a little bit about you and how you got to know mate, that kind of stuff. You know, whatever you feel like you want to share sure. with everyone. All six of our listeners. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was um, an undergrad at American University in Washington in the School of International Service. Our dean was a British Argentinian, so an Argentinian of British descent, I guess. He was drinking mate in the office one day, and he passed it to me, and he explained to me what it was, and... Uh, I liked it, except that I burned my tongue on it because he, <laughs> like most people from Buenos Aires, uh, was in the habit of drinking mate too hot. Well, he brought me my own mate and bombisha back when he went on a trip to Paraguay. So the first gerwa and the first mate that I actually owned came from Paraguay. And that began it. So that was way back when... In the early 80s, my first uh, job after I got my master's degree in theology was working as a translator for the Paraguayan consulate in New York. And it was there that I got to know a lot of people who invited me to Paraguay. And it started, I went to visit Pajarito and La Rubia and a few of the other places that uh, we're all familiar with. And then I went to Buenos Aires to look for my family because I knew that my grandfather had relatives who had gone there before the Second World War. And I continued learning, gathering information about uh, Mate. And I guess that's probably it. So I've been drinking Mate daily since 1986 so 30 so you're more mate than man at this point yes correct exactly <laughs> completed the transformation yeah. and here i'm and what drinking are... out of my uruguayan gourd the one that that cracked but it it appears to be holding up so what are you what are you drinking today okay today i tried armino have you ever tried that brand from Uruguay? I have not. I've I've seen it available on on certain websites. Uh, have not gotten around to trying it though. Have wanted to. What about you, Clark? Uh, me either. I I actually saw it when I was down in Brazil in Rio Grande yeah. do Sul. I um, I bought it, uh, it in Montevideo from a, a supermarket which is very familiar to people who live in Uruguay. It's called Tienda Inglesa, and. I brought it back because it's the one popular Uruguayan brand that you really can't get here with ease. 
Canarias is very right. common. Sara is common. Mm -hmm. um, so, I'm drinking that. As I told you, uh, both of you know that I had a gourd made and it cracked. Well, I see that the crack is getting a little bigger. But anyway, it's not, it never leaked. So, it's just an okay. aesthetic thing. Sure. Oh, okay. And, you know, sometimes, as long. I don't personally mind cracks in my gourds as long as they don't leak. Sometimes it adds kind of some character, you know. You never want it to crack, but if it just happens, you know, sometimes it's not too bad. My feeling is that if I spend $200 on a mate, um, I want the damn thing to be usable without somebody thinking, oh, what's that old piece of junk? over there that makes perfect sense um <laughs> right. and it's such an easy thing to to control uh if only the people who made the mates took the time to do it since i understood that mm. we were going to talk about quality and things like that today that's yes. my first rant i feel like going on many rants today so that would be <laughs> the first of them but let me let you talk as you know lawyers well, tend to talk a lot <laughs> I've never heard that before. Uh, well, uh, so we are also drinking mate on our end. Um, we are using one of Clark's cuyas that he got in Brazil um, with one yes. of my bombas that Clark got me from Brazil. <laughs> now, is that the one that Alberi made? Correct. Yep. Okay. So, so I have mine sitting here. I, um, I used it yesterday. It's wonderful. I really like this one. Awesome. perfect size too i really like it okay and, uh, and what are we drinking today clark <clears throat> we're drinking mystery mate uh <laughs> i picked i picked uh i picked some stuff up in mercado publico in porto alegre yeah. um they have the erva a granel so it's just like the right uh how would you say that in english like like bulk. like bulk Holster. yeah yeah in wholesale bulk, bulk yeah. erva and so mm. it was uh um what what's the word? No, I'm like totally spacing it and I'm super embarrassed. Where the pura folia. Oh, pure oh. leaf. Pure uh oh, they like the no pure sticks. leaf. So there's like three different kinds and I picked up a couple different kinds. This one in particular is a little, a little smoky. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a very coarse cut, very green Brazilian erva. So not like your typical shimahong, but it is ah. smoking. It's, it is quite delicious. Yeah. Now, when you were at the Mercado Público, did you happen to see whether they were still selling a brand that they denominate Martin Fierro? Martin Fierro. Correct. Um, I actually have a big bag of it in uh, Stephen's Kitchen at the moment. Oh, okay. Um, oh, so that the, uh, that's, that's, the, that's the other. other yep. That's okay. the other uh, pura folia. And so. uh, of course, Stephen is going to put some in a little bag and send it to me because, <laughs> of course, I think, I think something could be arranged. Uh, that was. Sure, they um, could work it out. I have a, a funny little story. The last time I was in Porto Alegre, I bought uh, a kilo of it, and I went to visit uh, one of the artisans in Bento Gonçalves, uh, Raul Sartor Filho, which um, I, th I know I've spoken to Clark about. He's a very good silversmith, one of the best, actually. And I took that with me, and I pulled it out, and he said, what is that, weed? 
And it just struck me. I said, how the hell am I going to take this back to the U.S.? It's true. It's in a plastic bag. It looks exactly like marijuana. So I gave it to him, but I regretted it because I really liked it. It was, it was a very flavorful erva. So... Uh-huh. Honestly, you probably would have been just fine because I last time I was in Brazil, I got maybe 15 samples of 100 grams mm. each of many different ervas, all just, you know, wrapped in little plastic baggies and all those baggies in a shopping bag oh. in my backpack and no one said a okay. word. Okay, well, that's good. I, yeah. I also brought back two kilos of that uh, sherba that they're marketing in Uruguay now mixed with uh, cannabis. And yes. it says it very prominently, and I put it at the top of my clothes in my luggage, and I figured if anybody wants to open it, they'll see that I'm not hiding it, and it was there when I came right. home, so. Yeah, there you go. So if you want to if you want to smuggle drugs, kids, it's it's not that difficult. <laughs> not that hard. <laughs> Just, Just put it at the top don't of your do, luggage. Don't do that. Don't that do, is bad. Don't, don't do drugs. Don't do that. This is bad. We have a lawyer here to tell you that We have bad. a lawyer <laughs> just in case. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> speaking of, you know, sherba and, you know, smuggling in your suitcase, David, to you, what makes a good sherba? Well, I mean, that's really... Yes, a broad I question. <laughs> I mean, both of you, both of you know that I do reviews of perfumes and shaving soaps, and that's like saying to somebody, "What makes a good <laughs> perfume?" Well, let's let's start. Number one um, okay. is taste, of course. Um, most taste is actually right. smell. That's not only with sherba, that's with food in general. You're not actually tasting with your taste buds, which are only capable of detecting four different uh, flavors, but you're smelling. And that combined with the taste is what gives you the, uh, the full sensation of what you're drinking mm -hmm. in this case. So taste, that's number one. Uh, some people like weaker, more suave uh, varieties of mate. Others like very strong, very heavily flavored ones. I fall into that category. I'm, you know, on the yardstick, I'm, <laughs> I'm further toward that end. I don't like things that taste like alfalfa. Tasteless, you know, that, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I understand why some people do like that particularly people who add herbs to mate. I usually don't. I usually drink pure, and I certainly don't use sugar. So um, taste, number one. Number two, cut. You know, both of you, from, from the course of our friendship, that I have a real problem with how fine uh, Shimahon <laughs> has been ground lately and there's actually been a progression that it used not to be ground as finely as it is today right. most most brazilian erva in the past was more or less like moida grossa mm -hmm. you know the, the 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 coarse cut of today uh, what they have now to me in most of the commercial brands is the equivalent of powder mm -hmm. and 
you pour water on it, and if you let it sit for more than 30 seconds, you wind up with soup. <laughs> so, um, that's I, true. <laughs> I know that there are some people that say that's ridiculous. I can make it in the dark, and it never happens to me. Well, look, I've been drinking mate for 33 years. I can basically do it in my sleep, too. Chimarron with Brazilian commercial erva is the only thing that I have to pay attention to when I make. I, I really have to pay attention. The other things I can do with my eyes closed and sure. I don't yeah. have to put I don't have to put my thumb over the top of the bombisha. I don't have to make sure that it goes in a certain way. I just I mean, maybe because I'm so used to the technique. Okay, so the, the grind. Number three. On a lot of the sites, they talk all the time about, oh, it's smoked or it's unsmoked. Look, the truth of the matter is that when they take yerba mate off the tree, because even though it's a bush, it looks like a tree. It's big. Right. Um, they have to dry it. And the way mm -hmm. that they dry it is by applying heat. Now, either they do that industrially by passing it over indirect an indirect source of heat, or they do it the old-fashioned way, which is a barbacoa, you know, what the Guaranese called barbacoa. Uh, and, you know, you're also not touching the leaf with the flame, but it comes closer. And that, can, that brings with it a certain change in taste. So, smoky versus unsmoky, they're all smoked to one degree or another. I prefer heavier flavors, so naturally I'm more on the side of smoked. And mm -hmm. um, so that's important. But the fourth, perhaps we should have said, in my view, this is the most important, and that's okay. dependability and consistency. What I yes. am finding is that Gerva, in general, and we can talk about specifics like brands, has become very inconsistent, almost to the point of becoming like wine, where a vintage 2018 Bordeaux tastes completely different from a vintage 2019 Bordeaux or a 2007 or a 2005. Um, I have been very disappointed with the Uruguayan brands that they have been selling this year in Montevideo, and we can go through the list, but I've been disappointed with them all. There's not a single one that I've been happy with, and I find that they're lacking in flavor, they're very bland, uh, and I hope it changes. I mean, the worst, you and I talked about this, Stephen, was the, the El yes. Cebador Sabor Intenso, which I brought back uh, as, and sent you a sample of, um, I was wondering why they were selling it in the supermarkets for 10 pesos for 100 grams, which is nothing. Um, and the reason is because it had no taste. Now, I happened to have an old bag in the closet, so from a year before, and I just finished that. Right. And there was, it was almost unrecognizable from what they're selling now. And it's the same company. Wow. So um, 
inconsistency. Right. If if you're giving me something one year and next year it really bears no resemblance to what I got used to, I really don't have much regard for it. So those are my four. But okay. What are yours? Um I think I think I fall in pretty similar pretty similar uh, straits. I think when when you talk about the grinding, you know, the 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 consistency, the cut or when I say consistency, I mean like the actual like physical consistency, not the quality consistency. Right. I think I you know, I I don't like sherba with a whole lot of stick in it, you know. That to me is pretty indicative of a of a low quality. Yes. Um too too much dust. I don't think is 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 very good. I you know, there's a lot of American companies out there that will advertise, you know, their sherba as being completely smoke free, no dust. And I don't think that's very good either. I think you need some right. dust to, you know, give it some body. Um, but I've had ones where you drink it and, you know, the the liquid that comes through the bombisha is almost like mud because of how much, you know, free powder there is. Right. Ugh. That's right. And so you know, I think there's a there's a definitely a right balance that you have to achieve. Um, I personally do like my shimahon, and I like it very finely ground. But you know, that's something that you know I think may be a matter of taste and a matter of opinion there. But what about mm-hmm. you, Clark? What what makes a good one to you? Yeah, um, it always sucks being the last person because uh, <laughs> everybody touched on the points that uh, I agree with. Now. <clears throat> Like, I like this, what we're drinking, the pura folia. It's just leaves, a little bit of stick, and virtually no powder, mm-hmm. Powder, right? Um, I really like it, but I know, like, like, actually the flavor is holding up pretty well, but I've noticed, like, Brazilian, like, pura folia or, like, a muita grossa tends to lose its flavor a little bit quicker than a fine cut. Mm. Um, so when it comes to Brazilian, like I like it fine, um, really fine. Um, otherwise Argentine, Uruguayan, as long as it has that good balance of, of the powder and the leaves and the sticks, I'm not too picky. Um, I think the flavor part is the most important to me, as long as it's, there, there was a Paraguayan brand called Indega. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, which used to be, and I think still is, the cheapest one on the market, and that was overwhelmingly palos, you know, sticks. Yep. And to me, it tastes like hay. Um, <laughs> I generally like Paraguayan yerba because it is uh, aged the longest. Mm-hmm. So it, it gets to be very, very heavily flavored. That one is horrible. There was one in Brazil that I remember buying it came in a, like a red and yellow package. Shimahon Gaúcho? Shimahon Gaúcho. There you go. Yep, yep. I couldn't remember the name of it. I tried to wipe it from my memory because it was so horrible. <laughs> so it, traumatizing. It tasted like sawdust, actually. It basically um, is sawdust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it had what's left over on the floor of the factory. Right, exactly. They sweep it up and sell it to, to right. some poor consumer. Yep. Well, but touching on kind of something that Clark said is how long the flavor lasts i mean some people call it a cycle length 
Um, is, is that important to you? How long the flavor lasts of a given sherba? How yeah. many liters of water you can pour through it? Yes. I, I look. I I have uh, I have a thermos, the big Stanley, which I think is one point four liters, if I'm not mistaken. I typically go through about three quarters of that in a sitting. And, of course, I never have to change uh, the gerba. Uh, I, I always get foam at the top, which is what indicates whether there's still flavor left. I mean, when you don't see foam, that means it's gone. It's lavada. Um, I, I see people on some of the fora on Facebook saying, oh, ooh, uh, you know, I, I couldn't get my third leader out of it, so this gerba uh, is not for me. Well, gerba is not so expensive that you can't empty it out and fill the mate up again. Um, I, yeah. I really don't understand the mentality of people. Uh, I had one person ask me once in a private message, and I'm sorry if he's one of your listeners, but uh, he said, is it okay if I empty it out and dry it and use it again? So I said, well, you can do whatever you want, but, I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, that's what poor people used to do in the 30s when they didn't. Right, that that's, that sound, that reminds me of, you know, like you watch World War II movies and, you know, people in hiding and they're reusing their coffee right. grounds. I don't think I don't think life has come come to <laughs> right. that yet. We're, we're not we're we're not in that <laughs> it's situation not that, here. It's, it's not that desperate right. yet. No. There are people. <laughs> the economy is um, okay. I want to add another characteristic that's kind of important to me now, and that is if something is nachiva or organica. Um, I like the idea of them not using fertilizers or pesticides. I do like that. Uh, and there are um, licensing bodies now, particularly in Argentina, which are quite strict when it comes to that sort of thing. It's it's not very easily given to to a company. Um, that is important to me because I know from the early days uh, of my mate exploration that they were using heavy amounts of pesticides before they... Uh, Mm -hmm. In most companies, before they figured out that, you know what, we better rethink this because <laughs> this is not something that we should be doing. Um, the Paraguayan brands generally don't use um, much pesticide or, uh, well, fertilizer, I think they use. I think this leads to just a small detour, which is... I think there's a misapprehension that somebody thinks that if they buy Sara, for example, uh, the, the Uruguayan brand, mm -hmm. which comes from Brazil, they think that that is coming to them from a certain plantation and that every year it comes from the same plantation and that's how it goes. Well, that's right. not how... Gerba mate is cultivated at all. What happens is that the companies buy from individual farmers, campesinos, you know, and tell them, you know, we're buying gerba, and they all bring their bundles in, and it's bought in bulk, you know, by the ton. And, um, you know, yep. some may come from far away, some may come from near, some come from wild 
plantations, so they're not commercial. Others come from commercial plantations. And it's a mix, which is what is contributing, I think, to the lack of consistency and quality because that you know they simply don't know. What they do know is that if they're selling something that's called nachiva, it's coming in Brazil, is that it's coming from an area that has not been cultivated. So whatever is there came up because Gerba was growing there. Okay. Uh, so I think it's worth spending the extra money. I myself feel better doing it. I have noticed that there is often a distinction between Nachiva and the regular marketed brand in terms of taste. Uh, I, I have detected that. Mm-hmm. However, as I said, I think quality and consistency have gone down steadily. Um, you know, I'm a curmudgeon by nature, so uh, I tend to <laughs> see these things and to harp upon them. But you know, Gerba is now more expensive than than it has been in recent memory. So uh, I think that it behooves the companies to ensure that. Uh, you know, the taste factor is protected, but I don't think that most of the brands uh, are doing that. There are exceptions, um, but in general, I think it's a hit and miss proposition. Um, and if you find that you don't like a bag, buying another bag of the same brand isn't going to solve the problem because they all come from the same time frame right so they don't come from the same place but the same time frame so if there's a defect in in one of in in one year's vintage to use that word it's gonna uh, be then it, the it's, whole lot yeah. correct so you'd have correct. to give it a, a year or two before you try again and then perhaps it could be better Correct. Or you go in your closet and you look for an old bag, <laughs> which brings back, which brings up another point. For the Paraguayan, Argentinian, and Uruguayan brands, it does not matter what the expiration date is. That was done to satisfy export requirements. They said every food item, including water, has to have an expiration date. Right. Uh, you can keep Sherba in your closet as long as it's not humid or you know have water leaking on it or whatever for a long long time yeah i think i think the way it's stored is definitely a a much bigger issue than the date that's stamped on the package because i've bought i mean a couple years ago i've bought in sherba boughten i don't think that's a word (laughs) i've bought sherba that was you know pretty close to its expiration date a little bit farther but still pretty close and i mean it tasted just like a basement but i'm i'm sure that has more to do with that it was stored in a humid place you know so that's right it absorbed a lot of funk that's right that's right but it's not it's not going to hurt you and this brings up another uh thing that um we constantly get questions on on the fora which is oh my god i looked into my mate and there's mold what do i do do i throw it out no you don't throw it out and it's not going to you call a priest yeah right or or an exorcist <laughs> it's not yes. it's not going to kill you it really it really isn't um unless 
it's penicillin and you happen to be allergic to penicillin uh, it, it's not <laughs> yes. it's really not going to hurt you it may change the taste but uh, you know i tell people don't uh, don't exaggerate you know just take the back of a spoon scoop you know or rub it out and put alcohol or something else into the uh, mate and put it in the sun sterilize yeah, sterilize it, yeah. it. I, but even that you don't need to do i do it more to give it a flavor i just that big uh, new mate that i got from mexico i i'm in the process of curing it because it's a mexican gourd which means it has lots of seeds and lots of ojejos you know mm. the little fibers inside all of that was cleaned out, right. but there was a lot left. So I wanted to cure it, and I did it with plum brandy, which, uh, you know, a Polish thing. It's not, has no sugar in it. That's mm -hmm. important. Don't use alcohol that has sugar in it. It should be just a plain spirit. And that's asking for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to add that for the listeners. I, I wanted to go on a. Um, one of your previous points, um, talking about like, like the sherba that's like nachiva or organic right. or whatever. Maybe it was just luck of the draw, and it was the only two plantations that I actually visited right. when I was in Rio Grande do Sul. One of them said like, "Oh yeah, like thirty years ago, like we 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 use pesticides, uh -huh. but like that was that okay. was the last time." And then the other one like hadn't. They don't. They haven't ever, and they right. never will. And even though neither of those ones are branded as Nachiva, right. organic, or anything, because especially for like smaller companies, like that organic right. label is very, very costly, very expensive. And if right. it's just like right. you know, just a single family doing it, like a small operation, Correct. it's Correct. that can be tough, and it's not worth the, right. the hassle. I, you know. uh, that's absolutely true. I know that there has been a great decrease in, in the use of pesticides because of the information that they've discovered in research about how harmful they really are. Um, but that being said, right. they still do use things because there are pests and pests do eat Gerba. Right. By the way, this brings up an interesting point. This is a, a question I got recently, which is... <laughs> How is it that Gerba has calories? It's, it, you know, like tea and coffee have no calories. But I look on my Gerba package and it says it has 50 calories per serving. No, not the drink. What it is, is if you take the leaves and you chew them and you eat them, which the, the <laughs> Guarani Indians used to do then that's the caloric value of it. Right. It has nothing to do with the infusion. The infusion, or I think it's actually called a maceration. It's not an infusion. Um, I didn't even huh. know there was a difference. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, there is, because you keep pouring stuff over the same okay. leaf. So that's a maceration. Hmm. Um, that has no calories. Right. But if you oh. eat... You know, fifty grams of gerba. You're gonna get. You're gonna get a very dry mouth. Yes. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't think the the when the Guarani were were eating sherba leaves. I don't think they were chopping them up fine, letting them dry for a year, and they were probably oh, you know, the, eating the fresh straight leaves. off the tree. Like I've, I've I can say I've done that, and it's and it's yeah. I it's, saw uh, that. And they're you and know it's it, it delicious. It's delicious. It doesn't taste like mate. It like every right. and and 
what a specific place that I visited, there was like, I mean, multiple different varieties of mate, like the trees themselves. So he's like, try this one. And I was like, okay, it's like, it tastes kind of like, like kale, but like not in a gro- oh. like not bitter, but like really like nice and right. like, like green and salad like. And then he's like, okay, try this other one. And then I, you know, bite into it. I'm like, oh, okay, it's, it tastes fine. And then like 10 seconds later, it just hits like this bitterness just hits my, my mouth. And he's like, yeah, that one isn't, isn't so much one that we, we harvest as much because it's bitter and it's more of like the Argentine style. So like, I, I get that. Like the Guarani, like would have ate the leaves themselves just right off the trees. Like I, yeah, yeah, I like it. It would be like uh, like the Aymara Indians in uh, Bolivia chewing coca leaves, right. or um, cola nuts in West Africa. You know, they chew them to get a not only a high but to get energy, and that's that's what the Jesuits discovered. They said, "Hmm, what is it that they're eating that's making them so active?" And they themselves tried it, the Jesuits and the missions, and they said, hmm, there may be something to this. And that's where it, that's where it started. So, um, you know, the, there's always a historical reason for what whatever has happened. It wasn't coincidence that people started throwing dry leaves into a gourd and sticking a bamboo um, mm-hmm. straw in it. It all started as a way to maintain energy levels, which they had detected among the the people they were trying to, quote-unquote, civilize. (laughs) Right. Well, and I mean, slightly going off a tangent, just because you mentioned, you know, eating sherba leaves. I don't know if you've ever had, like, Burmese food, Mm -hmm. but uh, green tea salad is pretty common in Burmese cuisine. I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. So yeah, they take. I don't know exactly how they how they prepare it because I mean I've, I've had it and it's not like it's not like fresh leaves like you would think like a lettuce. I mean it's like a it's like obviously been cooked or soaked in some right. way to and it's got like some vinegar and stuff on it. So I'm wondering if you know you could do that with with sherba and I wonder if it would be tasty and I wonder if maybe I have just created a million dollar idea that I don't want anyone stealing. Mm. Well, you I can't post I, this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you one thing that I have tried and which I love very much, but it's too sweet, is uh, liquor or, um, or cordials made out of sherba mate and nothing else. So they use that as the flavoring mm. agent. What I want to do is to, is to create a vodka made out of gerba mate because there's enough sugar in the gerba leaf to allow mm-hmm. fermentation to occur. So this is an idea. I'm, I'm not the only one that's ever come up with this. I just haven't seen this anyplace, but it's something I'd like to experiment with. Right. So, Interesting. so instead, of, instead of the potatoes or... Whatever you right. would use sherba right. instead. Interesting. Huh. Very yes. interesting. And you could you could slap a nice pretty label on it and charge, charge lots of money. Yeah. Well, we had a uh, small uh, little hiccup, little technical difficulty, but um, yeah, that was uh, that was that was David Ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure we're gonna have him back um, to talk more. Um, but yeah, uh, so hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, let us know. 
if what you thought, if you have questions for him, you know, um, like I said earlier, he's a, he's an endless source of knowledge for that kind of stuff. So, uh, if, if you have a question, he can most likely answer it. But, uh, so we'd love to have him back again, if you guys would be interested. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think that's going to do it for this one. So, uh, thanks again to David and, uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks guys.